everybody, and welcome to another episode of Yo MTG Taps. I'm Joey Pasco. And I'm Mythic Challenger, Big Head Joe. That's right. Congratulations. That is so freaking cool. I, I got know. there. You did. I got the you mythic. got there. And you've been Mythic for like like 10 days or something. I don't know. Well, they don't <laughs> kick you off. That's the only reason why I still am there. <laughs> Once you're, like we said uh, in the last episode, once you hit a rank, you're you're locked into that rank. So I'm locked into Mythic. I got so bad. So like at one point I was like because they put a number underneath of it when right, you like win games. I got ranked. I got in I got into the top 100 briefly, which was pretty cool. But at one point I was 999, and then um and then I don't even know what I lost another match, and it had some weird like. Point zero nine eight two one four percent or something. I didn't even know what it meant. But fortunately, I didn't lose another match to find out how much worse it can get. I crawled back up and I'm like hovering around five hundred now. But uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I know you sent the or you posted the, the screenshot that you were eighty fourth. So uh, yeah, okay. You know, that, okay, that was good. that was the high the high number I saw. That's probably the peak. Yeah, that's yeah. probably as high as I got. Um, and speaking of uh, people who won't reach such heights, na 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 na, is this pod safe? Na 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 na. But uh, Alex Bertoncini is banned for life. Bye. Yeah, I think a lot of people are pretty happy to hear that. Um, it's a sad story, but I guess if he it's not wasn't sad. Going- well, Sorry. it's sad I'm... at some point. It's this person who I believe has a lot of talent, but can't stop cheating. Yeah, it's sad that he has a compulsion. But like, you know, look, how many chances do you get? You know what I mean? Look, I don't want the guy to to, to fail at life, but whatever he succeeds at, he's going to probably succeed at it by cheating. So whatever. I'm I'm not. I have very little sympathy, especially with how like much I got behind him at first. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how I kind of went to bat for him when everybody was ganging up on him. Um, and like, you know, to feel like, you know, just be deceived by someone who deceived everyone. Um, but to feel personally deceived makes it twice as, uh, you know, makes it hurt twice as much. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that that totally makes sense. Um, So no sympathy here, no sympathy for the devil. Um, now I have a question though, which, I don't think it's ever actually been addressed, or at least I have no idea. But uh, is the banned player list for paper, does it apply to Arena too? I'm assuming it does, but Moto's banned list is different, right? Actually, I, I don't know. Um, I would think that it would be the same same thing. But like... Do you remember? Do, I mean, I don't remember when I set up my Arena account whether or not I associated it with a DCI number. Did you? I mean, you've set yours up. You said no, yours up. No, I didn't recently. set mine up with a DCI number either. You're right. Yeah. Okay, so, so I feel like you could hmm. presumably just create an account under any random name and just play. I mean, unless it's going to qualify you specifically through Arena for an event. Yeah, I guess by the time it gets to that point, then they got to get your name, and then they're going to say no, thank you. Yeah. Now you know whatever event you won or or qualified for has an extra slot because you're not coming if you're banned you know <laughs> right right like, anyway uh let's move on from that because meh, don't have to talk about them ever again awesome um so we were well we still are going to talk about uh ravnica allegiance spoilers today uh, but we got this article just a couple hours ago and i was like oh we got more stuff we gotta talk about i want to talk about spoilers <laughs> so but this is good stuff so um 
they just put out the MTG Arena State of the Beta, January 2019. I don't want to spend too much time on this. But um, they're doing duplicate protection now. So basically, um, if you're opening, if you're cracking packs, like not in an event, uh, if you open a rare or mythic uh, that you uh, already had four copies of, the system's going to replace it with a different card of the same rarity from that set. And then if you've collected all the rares or mythic rares, or mythic rares, each one has its own tier. So it's not like it's going to replace a rare with a mythic rare or mythic rare with a rare. Mm -hmm. If you have all the mythic rares and you open a mythic rare for that set, you'll get 40 gems. If you have all the rares from a set and you open a rare, you get 20 gems. Yeah. Um, With limited, it's just normal for the actual event. But then when you're done the event, it'll convert stuff. Um, The... um, It'll only convert rares and mythic rares to gems. It doesn't right. actually swap them for another card because at that point you chose that card, you know? Yeah. So it swaps them for gems uh, in limited, which is pretty cool. Um, and then the same thing goes for the individual card rewards. So, like, when you get the card rewards from your daily uh, win uh, rewards, if you already have four copies of that card, um, it's going to be replaced with um, Like another rares. card you don't own, basically. I, I don't know. It doesn't say that it's going to do the same kind of swap. Okay. But it says, if you receive a rare Mythic Rare that you already have four copies of, the card will be replaced with gems, is all it says. Okay. So um, so I don't know what that's all about. Right. But, um, but anyway, so that's the deal with that. At least it has some value. That's the whole thing. It's like, if you opened your fifth right. copy, it had, well, I wouldn't, I can't say it had zero value because there was that strange vault, vault thing well, that, the vault still exists yeah yeah I, I did see that it still exists but that I opened it is, once i did open it once oh wow I, yeah I, I got to that point that's kind of crazy you've been playing that much <laughs> that's awesome been playing a lot <laughs> yeah uh but yeah the, so the vault uh it seemed kind of like it had basically no value if it went into the vault um because of how small the actual value was right um so this is a, a huge improvement. So that way, every, since, you know, every mythic you open in Dominaria is Multani. It is. It <laughs> literally, you I mean, you said I have that, three of them. So Joe, Joe posted that on Twitter the other day uh, in a conversation with someone. And I had to laugh because I think I've opened four Multani and never <laughs> opened a Teferi or, you know, like, why am I getting so many Multani? Did you see the picture I posted, though? I don't remember. I, I got a Teferi, a Teferi in one of my um, individual card rewards. Oh, wow. Nice. I thought you opened it in I know. the pack. No, it was just like I, – because like, that was my weekly. The pack was my weekly. Okay. was one of my weekly packs. And then just the random card that you get for winning your fifth match of the day mm-hmm. just was a Teferi. I was like, That's all right. pretty cool. It would suck yeah, for me because I have four, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess not anymore. I'd have opened 40 gems, I suppose. I don't know how that would right? work, but uh, I guess it's we'll interesting. see. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's big news. Just came out, like you said, a couple hours ago, as of the time of recording. Um, yes. And um, one more thing. Yeah, go ahead. From from this announcement, and this is a big deal. Um, ranked. So first of all, January thirty first is the start of the next preseason. So we're not in season one yet. We are officially going to have preseason two before we have season one. We don't know okay. if. After preseason two, it's going to be season one or preseason three. Right. But we're still in preseasons here. So preseason two starts January 31st. And starting January 31st, um, best of three constructed will be added to the ladder. So awesome. that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's really cool. 
Um, I still feel like best of one is the way to go if you're grinding to Mythic. But once you hit Mythic and you want to actually do some hardcore testing, you can hit that best of three, and I think that's kind of awesome. Um, the main thing now, is having the choice. That's the that's what's important to me is that you have the option. Agreed. Make, make them both available. And I think you and I will have a big discussion on best of one in a future episode. Um, sure. And we can go further into that. But the choice is the important part, at least as far as I can tell. Yeah. I think it's great. I think it's great. Um, now we just need to have sealed added to the ladder. I don't care about best of one or best of three for that, but uh, I would like to see sealed added to the limited ladder because I'm better at it and I could get out of gold rank four. <laughs> I'm like, the only reason why I'm not silver is because they won't bump you down. <laughs> so <laughs> my, my limited has been miserable. Um, but anyway, uh, last thing on this little announcement here. Um, we have the schedule for um, the pre-release yes. for Magic Arena. So January 17th, which is a Thursday, actually before the midnight pre-release, which is kind of crazy. It's this Thursday. It's it's. That's what I'm saying. This Thursday, literally a few days from now. Yeah. This should come out Wednesday, right? Tuesday or Wednesday. So it's either cool. tomorrow or the day after tomorrow, depending on how early I can get this edited. No doubt. Um so, so y'all will hear this before then. Um, hopefully, download it as soon as it comes out, please. Uh, <laughs> January 17th, um, we have Ravnica Allegiance sealed and traditional draft Ravnica Allegiance, which means best of three. Um, and those will be gems only. Uh, what? 1,500 gems to enter the traditional draft? That's a lot, it seems like. But anyway, um, and the sealed is 2,000 gems, that's a much better value. Uh, but those are both starting January 17th. Um, there's going to be ranked draft on January 18th, but it's going to be Corset 2019, which is kind of weird, but I'm probably still going to play it because I never played any of the Corset draft, and I want to try a little bit of it. Um, and then there's going to be a special event uh, January 25th of Ravnica Block Constructed. I know Joey loves that. Well, I, you like- I can't even remember the last block that I, I played Block Constructed. but well, that I does- know the next block. Yeah, yeah, I may try that. That seems like it would yeah, be fun. Yeah. Why not, right? I mean, yeah. it sounds great. And you can, and, you, and it's like five hundred gold to uh, get in. Yeah, yeah, five hundred gold or a hundred gems nothing. to get in. Yeah. Nothing exactly. Like that's like why not? I've been playing the constructed event, just the normal non-ranked constructed event, uh-huh. because if you throw burn into that thing, you get some good wins. I've hit seven wins on that pretty consistently. Uh, so you just wind up grinding gold and rares. Um, as I've been doing that a lot, actually, I did that pretty much all afternoon waiting for you to be ready to record, just sitting there grinding the constructed event. Um, finally Ravnica Allegiance is going to be ranked draft February 1st. So I guess they'll do a week of the, um, or I guess it's almost like two weeks of the M19 and then Ravnica Allegiance will hit ranked draft February 1st. So I know, um, Scott Martin was wondering on Twitter, uh, why Ravnica Allegiance wasn't ranked straight away. It's not, but it will be pretty soon after. So that's good news. So next thing is for the Ravnica Allegiance pre-release. Uh, for the, I, I didn't do Guilds of Ravnica pre-release, but they had um, download codes for, um, I think it was for a free sealed event on Arena for the last one. Uh, this time around, uh, in your pre-release pack, you're going to have a code for a traditional draft on Arena. Um it's one code per account, so, you know, hoarding them from people doesn't do you any good unless you want to give them out to your friends who play. Um, and then um, 
You don't even need to buy any packs for this. Um, they're doing a new code called it's Play Allegiance. Um, it's, it's just look it up how to spell it. <laughs> uh, uh, but it's Play Allegiance. And you get three free packs, right? Yeah, right, so and that's just how it was for Ravnica, for Ravnica too. It was play Ravnica, right. and you got three free packs of Guilds of Ravnica. So presumably it's the same same deal. I hope they keep doing that because I like that. I, I like the little – just the little freebies. Just yeah. The little... I mean it's just three packs. It's really – you know, it's no monetary value to them. It's just promotional uh, right. value and, you know, you make players happy and want to keep playing and like, oh, hey, I got free, free cards. You never know how yeah. many people are like – kind of maybe only bouncing into the program occasionally, but if they can get free cards, then they're going to show up more. So I, I think right. that's a, a great promotion to have, especially it promotes your new set. Also, it's not only promoting arena because now you're opening packs from a set that maybe you don't have any other packs from. And now you're yeah. like, you know what? This looks cool. I want to open more packs. Here's some money. <laughs> so I like opening know. packs. Yeah, I do. Um, and that's actually a poll that I had put up on our Twitter, like, a, I guess a week ago, maybe. I don't know, uh-huh. a couple of days ago. Um, I was trying to figure out, because me and Mike were having this conversation on Twitter briefly, Mike Flores. Mm-hmm. He was talking about how he just uses his gold and just rips packs with it. And he's like, is this bad? Is this is this dumb? Is this terrible? Not really. Okay. So, uh, so I put the question out there to everyone. Um, you know, do you, what do you use your gold for? Do you use it to crack packs? Do you save it up uh, and use every 5,000, cash it in for a free draft? Or do you hoard it and just see what happens? You know, if you have not decided what to do with your gold yet. Uh, the results are we have 36% of the people uh, use their gold to crack packs. 53% use it for drafts and 11% hoard. Uh, I, I I crack packs now. How about right. you? Uh for a, I was kind of doing a mix. I can't really say that I have any sort of strategy at the moment. I'm hoarding, but it was only because I wanted to open packs of Ravnica Allegiance. Like I wanted all sure. my all my gold to be able to spend it on Ravnica Allegiance. So I was just waiting for that to to release. So I don't know what my plan will be once you know Thursday hits when I can start spending gold <laughs> on Ravnica sure. Allegiance. Especially, I mean, at first I'm definitely going to be. I want to at least experience the limited environment. For the pre-release, which is kind of, you know, that's... But you can't use gold for the pre-release anyway. Right, so I'll just use gems, whatever. But my point is I'll still at least use, uh, I'll at least least experience the limited environment environment that way. But um, as far as, you know, what I decide to do after the pre-release, I think I'm skewing to the, the idea of just using the gold on packs because I realize that when I sit down and have time to play Arena the thing that I want to do most is play standard. I want to play constructed. And the reason I'm playing limited is just so that I can make sure I have the cards I need for constructed. And I think, you know, after a little bit of, I mean, some frustrating events with limited, um, I realized why am I spending my time on limited when it's not really giving me a lot more value? I don't know if it's giving me any more value in terms of, sure. um, you know, if I were to just crack the packs open or enter an event and not do very well, and I just got to pick which bad cards I opened, um, right. <laughs> you know, like that's yeah. that's I'm like I'm spending time. Like here I am, instead of being able to spend this time playing constructed, which is what I ultimately want to do, I'm spending hours playing limited, not 
really enjoying myself unless I've really, you know, kind of lucked into a, a good deck. Um, right, right. Most of the time, I mean, I'm going to say 70% of the time I'm, I am I have either a mediocre or terrible deck and it, it's just not fun to play. So this is, this is just my enjoyment of limited. It's, it's just not really there. So, um, sure. I, so I am, I realized, you know what, I'm kind of wasting my time. So I think I'm going to start cracking the gold uh, or using the gold to crack packs and not play as much limited, but we'll see, you know, two weeks from now, I might have a completely different answer. It's for sure. Well, here's my logic on it. And I actually think you should use your gold for packs unless you love limited. If you love right. limited, play limited. Right, because I mean, you're I'm not getting telling value. anyone. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, right, right. Because that's, that's part of your enjoyment of the game. You know, obviously the most important thing is that what you're doing is the thing you enjoy in this game. Um, I bought some packs of M19, like with gems, and that didn't feel good at all. Don't do that. Don't buy packs with gems um, unless you really need to just grind to a wild card or something. But here's what I've realized. When you enter a draft, you you, you pay however much gold, right? You spend your 5,000 gold. You get three packs. Um, if you do really well, you get the guaranteed two packs at the very end, so you get five packs. Um, and again... If you're just playing limited, those packs are pretty much worthless. But if you're a constructed player, those packs give you two rares and two-sixths of a wild card and two-sixths of an uncommon wild card and a mythic, you know, a mythic rare or rare wild card and an uncommon or uh, and an uncommon wild card. If you spend that 5,000 gold on five packs, you get five-sixths of a rare wild card and five-sixths of an uncommon wild card, guaranteed. Right. And with rare wild cards being the rarest thing on Magic Arena... Well, they're not as rare. It's just you need them more. You need more of them because Mythic Rare is still more rare than regular rare. Well, right, but... but well, I've, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. I've opened like two or three um, mythic rare wild cards from cracking packs and maybe one rare wild card. But anyway, I feel like how many rare wild cards do you have currently in your collection? I don't. I think I have two right now. Two? Yeah. I, I have zero. How many mythic? Uh, I think I have two mythic or do one you? or okay, two I mythic have, right now. Sure, sure. I have like seven. Seven mythic rare wild cards, zero rare wild cards, and I feel like I'm always desperate for rare wild cards. So that's my goal now yeah. is to crack packs to generate rare wild cards. Yeah. And think, you know? I mean, I haven't been playing any limited events. I haven't really been spending any gold. So I, that's why I don't okay. have any wild cards right now. I'm just like hoarding the gold. Sure, sure. I'm playing okay, just, yeah. I'm, I'm doing the quests and building up a, a cache of gold. I don't know how much gold I have right now, but, um, but that's basically the way I've been playing and I'm going to, for sure. So, so presumably I will have a bunch of wild cards or at least more than I have um, once I start spending all that gold on some events or packs or whatever. Right. Ultimately, it's goal dependent. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Sure. Do what you like. Do what you enjoy. But keep that math in mind because if you need the wild cards, cracking packs might be the way to go. That's yeah. all I'm saying. I hadn't actually um, thought about, about it that way, but you're right. Like Because if you're entering an event, you only get credit for what packs you open after the event prize packs, not the the events, not the packs you open in the event. So yeah. And and I say credit, I mean, uh, that kind of little, uh, I don't know what what do you want to call it? The dial, the dial towards the wild card or whatever. So yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So, um, you make me feel even better about my decision to, 
play more uh, <laughs> or open more packs rather than playing limited. But for uh, sure. But that's my personal, you know, preference. A lot of people will tell you because they enjoy limited that you're wasting value by opening those packs. But again, goal dependent. If your goal is to get those rare wild cards, you're not wasting any value at all. You're gaining value. And I think that's, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's I think that's a magic player mentality, which is true or has been true for years as we've had paper magic where you want to get as mo- much value out of the pack as you can. Um, right. But to me, I think it's a different thing with arena. Uh, you have to kind of change your mentality from – I have to. I can't open sealed product. I have to use it in another way before I open it. You know, I can't just open it to open it. Um, right. And and by the way, it looks like Rivals of Ixalan is the smallest set size. If anyone wants to abuse that, um, get to four copies of everything. So, just just some information. Anyway, uh, let's get onto these spoilers because I'm so excited about spoilers. When's the last time we done? Oh man, God, oh, I love this. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, why don't you go ahead and start? Because I'm 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 got all this stuff here, but I want you to start. Go ahead. All right. So we each came up with our list of our ten favorite cards from Ravnica Allegiance, and I think our criteria was basically, uh, if you are excited about this card, like it, it didn't really have to meet any certain kind of criteria. Like, oh, I think this is going to be the best card in limited or commander or anything like that it was just kind of what are our favorites what looks cool and and that's really it so um we'll do this like i'll say my number 10 you say your number 10 yeah kind of thing um but here's the thing so i kind of this is now you mentioned the idea of possibly trying to guess each other's top 10 (laughs) which which i think would be fun but i didn't put any thought into to it so i'm not prepared to guess your top 10 that's okay that's okay we'll just do the thing and then i'll and then i'll let you know which ones i got right okay oh so you, you did you did actually come up with i have okay. a list but i only used cards that weren't on my top 10 so okay so there were probably cards that you're excited about too but i was just like let me see about putting another list together sure all kinds of lists over here right right on why not it's high fidelity no doubt um. only we're doing yeah we're doubled it up um so here's here's the thing i kind of i know this sounds weird i just want to start with my number one and then go to my number 10 because (laughs) i know that sounds weird but look my number one i'm just going to do it my number one is hallowed fountain (laughs) but that's not very exciting is it like tear my (laughs) so that is the card i'm most excited about everyone knew it was coming um but (laughs) I really feel like, you know, this is the card I'm... I didn't think I'm, to put I'm, the lands on here. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really the card that I was looking forward to most, and it hasn't changed even after seeing the spoiler. I'm just really excited to get Hallowed Fountain so we can fix some freaking mana Got it. Uh, in the blue-white decks. So that's my number one, truly. <laughs> but we'll go ahead and, um, you know, just get that out of the way since it's not so exciting. Um, so my number 10... Speaking of blue white and needing to fix mana, uh, uh-huh. is uh, absorb. Okay. All right. Um, a lot of people saw this. This was revealed on Christmas Day, I think. Um, it's an old reprint from Invasion. That was a time when Joe and I—I I don't think you know either of us were playing. So no. I've never played with or against absorb. Um, it's been a while since absorb has been in standard and so i have really no experience with this card but i'm excited about it because hey it's a counter spell and it gains life uh but it's still you know 
I think it needs to prove itself in this current metagame, in this current environment. And I mean, in this modern day, we're talking about being originally printed in what, 2000? Um, right. So it's only been 19 years. Uh, the game might have changed a little bit since then. So I think um, I'm I'm kind of uh, trepidatious about Absorb, but I'm sure people are going to try it. I'm going to try it. And I guess it really hinges on how aggressive the uh, the metagame is to see how well it does actually in standard. Because right now, Sinister Sabotage is just so good. It's kind of hard to justify a card like Absorb or even Ionize over Sinister Sabotage. And it's easier to cast, like Sinister Sabotage is. Well, uh, I feel a little differently about Absorb than you do because I'm terrified of it. Um, <laughs> I'm serious. Like as as a red player, uh, even as the with the mono white deck that I'm playing, um, this card terrifies me because I mean it basically counters two spells. Absorb says, "Oh yeah, okay, counter your lightning strike and the lightning strike you played last turn that you domed me with." You know, and like it's just such a beating. It just sets you back so far. And yeah, the mana is a little more restrictive. But I feel like this is one of those cards that you're going to say right now, you're going to be like, well, I don't really know where it's places. And like two weeks into standard, you're going to have four copies in your deck. You uh, yeah, know? you might be right. Um, the, the thing that's interesting right now is the reason the mana is going to work right now is because of Shocklands. So two thirds of that life gain is likely, you know, it's likely gone in part or, you know, it's spent already on a but shock. You gotta, but look, if you, so, if you need to cast Sinister Sabotage turn three, you got to pay that two anyway. That's true. You know uh, what I mean? So like, I mean, unless you, you know, you know, what unless I mean. you have another, yeah, yeah. You may exactly. have to pay that two anyway. I know what you're saying. So um, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, okay, but it's just going to be even better because it's going to get back to you. You know I mean? Now, of yeah. course, if you're playing Eldest Reborn or whatever, and you, you're, you want to pitch, um, whatever that six six fly and trample thing is. Doom, uh, uh, I was gonna say, doomed traveler, <laughs> but that's yes, not the same card. <laughs> yes, in his mind, he's a six six flying trample. Doom but, whisperer uh, is that who? Yeah, who I think okay. so. Yeah, yeah. Like if you want to pitch that to, you know, to to eventually get back with eldest reborn, then yes, yeah, sinister sabotage. It all depends on your goals, but. That gain three against any of the aggro decks, like counter their spell, hard counter, and gain three, which basically negates one of their attacks or one of their spells. I think it's a really good card, and I'm terrified of it. And I, I think that's that makes sense. Uh, the, the way I saw someone tweet, like, people are literally playing Sinister Sabotage and Revitalize in the same deck. Like... <laughs> Right, right, and you're and you're questioning whether or not absorb is any good, and it's like, yeah. well, that's a good point, you know. That's, that's a really good point, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's the same. Both cards on one card. Yeah, that sounds really good. It's good. Uh, then maybe you can put some creatures in your deck with the other four slots you open up. Oh, good call. Uh, <laughs> I know you won't though. Uh, so. Um, are we good? Are we need to move to the next yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. Let's go to your cool. number 10. So, yeah, before I start my number 10, I just want to say, like, in general about my list. Like, on, on Arena, I play Mono White and Mono Red. The, those are the decks. I mean, I could swing into Boros. I'm interested in trying other things, but right now that's what I have. So, my list of cards that excites me, it's probably going to be full of cards that improve those decks. Or it's going to be full of cards that would comprise a deck that has a better matchup against the decks that the White and Red decks are weakest against. Just general, just general rule, and we're going to get into this. So my number 10 is Footlight Fiend, and I actually am not really certain I like this card as much, 
uh, as I wanted to just talk about it. Okay. Um, because I wanted to talk about it versus Fanatical Firebrand. And I think we've had this conversation before. Um, like most of the times, like I always, I always wonder, like, is this kind of card where you get to attack and then it dies and you get to ping? Is this better than Firebrand where you get to attack or ping? And sometimes you attack with Firebrand and then they burn it and then you don't get any damage out of it. You know, so at least so there's kind of there's a tension there. And like, do you want to run both? Like most of the time when you're playing the red deck, you play turn one firebrand and you swing when you're on the play. Right. Um, In the mirror, they play their firebrand after that and then they kill your firebrand. You know, so it's like uh, if you moved away from the wizard sub theme of the deck, like maybe you got rid of get to lava runner. I don't know why you would do that. But if you did that. Both cards might be good, you know? Um, maybe those two cards plus Cavalcade of Calamity? I don't know. I don't think Cavalcade of Calamity is any good. Just spoilers. I don't think it's good. It's not on my list. <laughs> it's a terrible okay. top deck. You know, it doesn't really do anything on an empty board. Um, and that that's just, just to kind of... We should probably read some of the cards that we're talking about. Sure, just, yes, yes, yes. Footlight uh, Fiend is a black or red hybrid. It's a creature-type devil. It's 1-1. When it dies, deal one damage to any target. That's so. That's the that's the footlight fiend there. Cavalcade of Calamity is a one in a red uh, enchantment. Whenever a creature you control with one or less power attacks, it deals one damage to target uh, player or planeswalker that it's attacking. I believe. Yes, that's correct. So okay. if you're if you're attacking a player, you can't also damage the planeswalker. Does that sound right to you? Like if if I attack you with my with one of my one drops or one ones. I can't say I'm attacking you, but I'm going to do a damage to your Teferi. Right. You have to choose the attack and then the damage goes through to whatever you're attacking. Exactly. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, Um, it does. Um, So a couple points. A tapped uh, firebrand will survive a fiery cannonade, which is important and relevant. Uh, But a tapped footlight uh, fiend gets a point of targeted damage in off of the cannonade. Uh, Plus... Firebrand gives you the option of pinging, where essentially your opponent chooses where you ping with Footlight. Um, right. But Footlight gets to ping on the way out if you have to sacrifice it to something. Like if like if they have Eldest Reborn, you can sacrifice the Footlight Fiend and ping them, where you can't yeah. do that with the fire with the um, with the Firebrand. Um, but the most important thing is that all of these cards have to have F alliteration. That's the most important thing with uh, cards that are one, one and deal one on the way out. Um, it certainly so- feels like it. <laughs> I hate you so much. Go to the next card. Go to the next card. No, just to, just to weigh in quickly. I think the, the firebrand is, is better. The haste is a huge thing there for me. Because, oh, that's true too. I didn't even think about the haste. Yep. You're right. I mean, that's the, the biggest, um, difference between the two cards i think and then of course the how the damage gets allocated you know when it happens like you said you're giving your opponent a lot of control on how you use that damage because they can say all right i'll kill your footlight fiend okay you hit me and now i'll play an x1 you know but they can't really do that so much i mean i guess they have some control over hitting your firebrand when it's tapped so you can't deal damage to anything but um, I don't know. It feels to me like the Firebrand is still the clear pick above Footlight Fiend. Um, I think so too, but it's uh, it's nice to have options. Sure, sure. No, and I think it's worth considering for sure. Definitely. Um, okay, so my number nine is Kaya's Wrath. Uh, okay. This is a sorcery 
It is black, black, white, white, destroy all creatures. You gain life equal to the number of creatures you controlled that were destroyed this way. Uh, this is a rare. And I think um, I think everyone was expecting a four mana wrath in the set. We probably should have seen it coming that it was going to be an Orzov wrath rather than an Azorius wrath because we weren't going to get Supreme Verdict back. Um, no, no. <laughs> Kaya's wrath... I'm I'm a little bit torn about this card. I, I have to say, like, when I saw it, I was – I don't want to say I was disappointed, uh, but I guess there was at least – it was a bittersweet reveal because I wanted the four-mana Wrath, but I also wanted to just play, play blue-white in standard. And then I saw this and thought, well, now I have to spend all my wild cards on the Orzhov lands <laughs> and the Demir lands and, you know, like – so it's uh, – it's going to make me – it's pulling me into Esper instead of blue-white. And I don't know. Maybe blue-white's going to be uh, playable. But it feels like the question will be why aren't you just playing Esper when you can get access to this four-mana Wrath? Um, this is huge. We haven't had a four-mana Wrath like this uh, that wasn't somehow conditional. We have settled the wreckage, but you're giving your opponent card advantage. You're giving them mana advantage in a lot of cases. You're also allowing them to play around it very easily by just attacking with, you know, one creature or two when they have a board full of of threats. Um, so that was a very conditional four mana wrath. Um, this one is unconditional. The kind of, um, you know, extra feature of this card about gaining life equaling to the number of creatures you controlled that were destroyed uh, is kind of funny to me because I'm like, that's never happening. Like, I mean, not in the decks I play. I'm sure yep. there's going to be, yep. you know, a great Orzhov deck, but I'm like, that's not upside. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> that's nothing. That means like, zero. Destroy me. all creatures. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's flavor text. Like it really right. has no effect on the game because if I've got a creature on the board, then I probably am blocking with it and letting it die before I wrath. Like I'm going to make my opponent overcommit, you know, or, you know, something I'm going to get use out of that creature rather than just, you know, what gaining, gaining one life. Right. Because if I have a creature on board, so I don't think that's going to come up very often for me in the kinds of decks I play, which, you know, in this case, very likely to be Esper. Um, But it's still an exciting card. I'm still excited to see it and try it. Uh, so that that's how it landed on my list. No doubt. And I again, I'm not excited to see it, but I'm also not that scared of this card um, as the mono white player because I've got the Adanto Vanguard. Um, I've got the Dauntless uh, Bodyguard. Um, I've got the, the Hunted, whatever the card we just said earlier that I forgot already. Doom. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Hunted Witness? Hunted Witness. Yeah. We, we said Doomed Traveler before. Yeah, we did because we were talking different about different cards, uh, same Whisperer. kind of concept. Doesn't yeah. f- the no, no flyer, but yeah. And there is a ton more of those in the set with Afterlife. So, so That's it's right. funny. This this Kaya's Wrath card is less impressive by the second as you <laughs> remind me all these other things. <laughs> I'm more scared. No, honestly, like I'm 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 more scared of Settle the Wreckage uh, in my deck than anything else because Settle the Wreckage exiles. Yeah, you know where well, blue white it is then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I I think that's these are really good points because everybody's excited for the wrath and there's and a they lot should of be. yeah 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 but there's a lot of downside to it or or I don't want to say downside or drawback but there are a lot of reasons that it might not be as powerful as a lot of four mana sweepers in the past. Um, 
the creatures that are around. Adanto Vanguard doesn't die. Dauntless Bodyguard protects a creature. Um, you know, the um, the afterlife mechanic, the hunted witness, right? Like, well, we don't know how many stuff. of the afterlife cards are actually going to be uh, standard playable. But we'll sure, see. but I'm sure, sure there's going to be some of them. So, you know, sure. these these cards. And then just that mana cost. Black, black, white, white. So here's here's my, my thing. I'm talking about playing this in Esper. And so on turn three, I'm supposed to be able to produce blue, blue, white for absorb. And then turn four, <laughs> black, black, white, white. Like, it's just... Or even blue, blue, colorless for sinister, uh, sinister sabotage. Like right. this is a tall order. What am I? I'm going to be a ten from my shock lands, and yep. you won't have attacked me at all. <laughs> I'm like, well, at least I cast absorb in Kaya's wrath, right? Like I'm just a ten because of my lands. I don't know. It's a, it's a lot. It's a cost. It's a heavy cost to trying to get this mana to work. My doctor uh, said my lands. Uh... <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I'm fired from the podcast. Next week, join Joey Pasco and Stephen Marshall as they present the continuation of Yo MTG Taps, the decent version. <clears throat> no, I actually like that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what's your uh, your next card on your list? My number nine is Cinder Vines, and at first, uh, I included this card on the list as a shout out to Stephen Marshall uh, because I saw him tweeting about it. He thinks it might be modern playable. I don't disagree with that, uh, but my main concern here is standard, and I actually think this card will be heavily played in sideboards. Um, it's so tough to deal with, and there's so much potential damage for just two mana. What does it do? Uh, Cindervines? Oh, I don't know. Look it up. You have the internet. No, uh, <laughs> Cindervines is a red and green. It's an enchantment. It's a rare. Whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell, Cindervines deals one damage to that player. Pretty sweet. And then tap one, sacrifice Cinder Vines, destroy target, artifact, or enchantment. Cinder Vines deals two damage to that permanent's controller. Pretty heavy. Uh, I like it a lot. So, um, Ixalan's Binding. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, they take one mana to cast it. Or they take one damage to cast it. And then you pop this in response to targets and they got nothing. You know, stop bolting yourself. Stop bolting yourself. Stop bolting yourself. Uh... <laughs> It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's just brutal against all those, like, combo control decks, uh, if you get to stick it turn two. Um, like that, that, uh, green, white, blue, Gift of Paradise, Loopy Loop deck, I don't even know what to even call it. Um, you know what I'm talking, talking about? about? like, the Nexus of Fate Nexus decks? Nexus of Fate, okay. yeah. Um, Would you call or, it the Loopy Loop deck? Yeah, <laughs> I like that um, name better. But yeah. or or like or the um, the combo decks that are running the uh, cackling drakes and all that—they're just trying mm. to cast spell, spell, spell to get their Arclight Phoenix. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're like bolting themselves every turn to get their Arclight Phoenixes online. Yep. Um, you know, honestly, I could actually see this card making the main deck uh, in a best of one deck. Because um, even the white deck that's almost all creatures runs Conclave, Tribunal, and Legion's Landing. And right. uh, Experimental Frenzy hates this card, you know? And right. so do all of that deck's burn spells while we're on the topic, you know? History um, of Benalia, you can, you know, they get one night right. out of it. I forgot about that enchantment. Look, I play the deck and I can't even, There's like 13 <laughs> or there's like 11 targets in mine. I don't run four Legion's Landing. But uh, I think that's, I don't know if I should or not. But I run three because I don't like running four of a, of a legendary, uh, no matter what. Because uh, I don't want to draw three of them in my opening hand. 
so yeah, I mean, I think this card's really good. And uh, like I said, best of one. Yeah, you know, you might want to run one or two of them because they could, you know, could get you a little bit of uh, a little bit of collateral damage there. Yeah. No. So I love this card as well. I mean, I'm terrified of it, but I I also love it. Uh, I mean, my entire blue white deck, its removal is mostly based on seal away and I'm casting counter spells and blink of an eye and uh, opt and think, you know, so this card is, is definitely scary. It's kind of like uh, a mini idol, another great revel. uh, And you can sacrifice it to destroy an artifact or enchantment. It just gives it upside. It's like a, a kind of a mini, what was it, Smash to Smithereens, I think is the, the one that destroys an artifact and does three damage to the controller. This one does two, but destructive, you can hit an des- enchantment. Des- oh, oh it's- Smash to Smithereens. But I'm thinking of Destructive Revelry. Right, which is, yeah, that's that's more uh, appropriate since it's red-green. So, yeah. And like, it's enchantments. Yeah, so this is, this card I think is certainly modern playable. Uh, even for, I could see the modern burn decks going a little green to kind of get an extra half of an uh, idol and on the great revel effect. And in in addition, idol on damages you too, right? That's true. It's symmetrical. So, uh, and this is not, yeah. So that's definitely something I've actually watched a player on coverage, um, get locked under his own idol because he, they, uh, his opponent opponent shot him to two life and he <laughs> couldn't cast a spell. You know? I've been so, there. I've been there before. It, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's scary. It happens, you know, live by the sword, something, something. Um, <laughs> so I think Cinder Vines certainly could see play in modern and standard. It's definitely one of those cards that people can bring up as an example of design going in the direction of being designed for best of one because it has mm-hmm. kind of a sideboard feel to it, but it also has a main deck uh, application, right? So if this was only the first half, people could still play this card. You know, you get the the damage in whenever they cast it on creature spell. Like anybody who's, you're going to hit somebody with that. Um, I mean, you're everybody's casting some amount of non creatures. That's what I mean. Is you're you're going right. to hit them at least a little. Of course, right. you could board it out when you realize you're playing against a deck that really has very few non creatures. But that's just not the case. Uh, but then you get this extra effect, which is destroying an artifact or enchantment and that's a sideboard effect that you can just play main deck alongside this eidolon or eidolon yeah. uh effect which I, I thought it was pronounced eidolon but i saw it is apparently pronounced eidolon i will never pronounce it eidolon it's going to be eidolon until the day i die it's, it's it flows a little easier when you say eidolon but you know i'm gonna try um so yeah no i i, I think this card is certainly uh we're, we're gonna see it we're going to see it played no doubt. in standard and modern, I think. Um, I'm, people are going to try to get it to into their modern burn decks. So let's see. Next up on my list is Pestilent Spirit. Okay. So Pestilent Spirit is a 3-2 for a black and two colorless. It is a rare. It is a creature spirit. Yes. It has menace and death touch. And instant and sorcery spells you control have death touch. Any amount of damage they deal to a creature is enough to destroy it. So I just think this is such a cool design. It's very elegant, very flavorful, kind of like giving your burn spells death touch. I I just think it's like such a – I'm surprised it hasn't happened before. That's kind of – I think um, it has actually, but I'm not sure what card it – well, I could not tell you what card and I'm not going to look it up. Okay. It's possible Um, we missed it in the time that we weren't playing, but but I I love this idea. 
there's been some card that gives your spells death touch. I kind of feel like you might be right. I feel like it might be one of the gods from like the Born of the Gods, all that um, Theros block. But I might be wrong. I don't know. But anyway, I I feel like there was, uh, but I'm excited to see this effect again. It is a cool effect. Yeah. And I just think it's just, um, I love the the creature. You have a 3-2 with evasion. And then you're presumably playing this with burn spells because I don't really know what other spells you want to give death touch. And blocking this creature is the worst. Yeah, you have to block with, with two creatures at least. With two and... creatures that are going to die. And then, you know, if you block with enough to kill this, they can just burn They can just burn spell one of the creatures. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's an interesting effect. And I think it's, um, I don't know, I'm really excited to see how people work with it in standard and you know maybe more but i think standard is, is the most likely scenario here i think it'll see play definitely i definitely yeah. think it'll see play i like it okay so my number eight is benthic biomancer uh believe i mean probably surprising to you uh but the first deck i really played on on magic arena was the blue green merfolk deck because it was like the strongest of the precons. Mm-hmm. so i had a little bit of experience jamming that deck um this deck really needs the... I don't know what the name of the card is. The blue-green Shockland uh, desperately needs that card. Um, what, breeding you know Pool? Breeding Pool. There it is. Okay. Um, really needs Breeding Pool, so that's a good card to come with the set. But Benthic Biomancer, I think this is the kind of card the deck needs to be more competitive in Standard. Uh, because some of some decks <clears throat> run the uh, Seafloor Oracle, which is a four-drop. Oh, I guess I should read Benthic Biomancer. Yeah, I was just going to ask you what it did. Yeah. Benthic Biomancer is one blue. It's a 1-1 Merfolk Wizard Mutant Turtle. Not a turtle. Uh, It has a blue and one. uh, (laughs) uh, Blue and one, Adapt 1. When Adapt 1 says, if this creature has no plus one, plus one counters on it, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. And And then the second ability is... Whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are put on Benthic Biomancer, draw a card, then discard a card. So um, it doesn't have to be from the adaptability. Um, it's just whenever it gets counters placed on it. Right. You get to draw a card, discard a card. Um, so some of the decks, uh, the, some of the Merfolk decks run Seafloor Oracle, which is a 2-3 for uh, two blue and two. And whenever a Merfolk you control deals damage to an opponent, draw a card. Um, so some of them kind of um, run that card at the top of their curve as sort of a bad bidet of Thassa effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was that card. Uh, what that card was called. Um, <laughs> bad least of Thassa. Uh, I think. Sure. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. Uh, at least uh, you know my subpar fish deck on Arena ran that card at the top of the curve just to kind of draw into something to end the game. Right. Um, but there's lots of ways in the blue green Merfolk deck to get plus one plus one counters on a card besides the adapt. You can turn one this, and then you can turn two, adapt, or cast the Deep Root uh, Champion. Uh, and then you can turn three, cast the Deep Root Champion, cast Kumena's Speaker, get more counters, just keep hitting these counters. Uh, but <clears throat> the most important thing to remember is that once the creature has a plus one, plus one counter on it, the adaptability doesn't do anything, but it can still be activated. <laughs> so um, if you pay for adapt in a competitive environment and your creature has counters on it already, you just wasted two mana. Congratulations. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> sure. Don't, yeah, that, that's what's going to be interesting. I mean, I, it's, uh, I keep reading this card or these cards and thinking, 
you know, you adapt and then next turn you adapt again. It's like, wait, no, it doesn't work. It's just once. It's just this one shot adapt. But uh, I kind of feel like you're right in a deck like the one that already exists as a pre-con on Arena. Right. This fits right in. and uh, It does. I mean, you could almost, like, I'm kind of thinking about the strategy of playing this card. I think on turn two, I'd want to use the adapt because it's the first, it's the free counter, right? Like, you can do that one. You get the counter, you get the right. card, and then you can play your extra effects that are going to give it more counters and you can draw yeah. more cards. Um, but, yeah, I think this is um, this is an exciting card for that kind of deck. I don't know if it's going to make Merfolk... Um, tier one playable, but uh, but it certainly slots right into the deck either way. I think the deck's good, but um, I don't see... I, I, I see some of them on the Mythic uh, rank, yeah. but I honestly feel like once people hit Mythic, they kind of relax a little and start playing more fun decks, yeah. to be honest, because you got there. You know what I mean? You got right. there, you're there, now you can kind of experiment and play around. Yeah. Um, and I don't feel like... I've lost no. I've lost a couple of the Merfolk decks for sure. I'm trying to remember if I've like felt like I had a good record against them. Mm-hmm. Eh, it's about even, you know. Uh, they're pretty good. They're pretty good decks, and I think this card is going to just bump them up a level, you know. So we'll yeah, see. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, I like. What it. about your number eight? Uh, my next card is Growth Chamber Guardian. Okay, which might not be the kind of card you would expect to be on my list, but I think it's really cool. So it's a it's a grizzly bear. It's a 2-2 two, two for a green and one. Creature, elf, crab, warrior. It is a rare. Uh, it has adapt two for a green and two more. Uh, whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are put on Growth Chamber Guardian, you may search your library for a card named Growth Chamber Guardian, reveal it, put it into your hand, and then shuffle your library. So I just love the idea of going turn two, play this. Turn three, adapt. I have a 4-4. Four, four. I'm going to search up another copy of this and swing in with a 4-4. Four, four. Or I'm going to leave this guy back. Or you know what? Maybe I'll just attack with my 2-2 into, into your board. You're going to block? Like, <laughs> kind right, of, right, like, right. What do you want to do? Maybe I'll leave my mana up. and uh, Because that's the thing about adapt. It doesn't have to be activated as a sorcery, so you can no. do it whenever you want. You can leave your mana up, see what's going on, at the end of turn of your opponent's turn, then say, hey, guess what? I know what I'm playing next turn. I'm going to adapt, search up another Growth Chamber Guardian, put it on the board, and then it happens again. You know, like every right. every copy. The next copy is going to adapt and get another copy. So this is this goes back to what what was the card? Llanowar Sentinel, I yeah. think, that you used to play going well, all the way back even, to Weatherlight. Any, well, going all the way forward to current day, uh, Vampire Conquistadors. Okay. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a long... Uh, history of these kinds of cards but the first one i remember is uh lanowar sentinel and i think that was weatherlight right uh and, yes yes yeah. it's definitely weatherlight and i mean squadron hawk is kind of of that family uh mm-hmm. it's a it's a great ability to be able to just pull the next one out of your deck um and while you can't grab as many as you'd like which would be three in you know in the case of the first one uh, just being able to grab the next one and kind of chain them together. I just think it's pretty exciting, and it's a cool little beatdown card for two mana. I mean, five, including the adapt, but um, I don't know. I just really like the the design. I like it, too. I think it's a cool card. I just, I'm just i just going to say that I wish that it had that you may have any many copies of this card in your deck. Your <laughs> that would, why would you need to search for it? You could just draw it next turn because you're only so, playing. Just keep yeah. doing it. Not just mean, keep... Sure. But so, that's just, just making the one sure. thing I think about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, 
Okay, so so um so my number seven uh for my number seven I'm gonna get my Corona on. I don't mean I'm gonna drink though. Talking about the singer Corona because it's just the rhythm of the wild, the wild. Oh yeah, it's just the rhythm of the. Wi- okay, sorry. So uh my number okay. seven is rhythm of the I wild. You. <laughs> <laughs> don't. It's a uh, one green red creature spells you control can't be countered. Non-token creatures you control have riot. Um, and now we're going to read the next card. Fires of Yavamaya. One green red. This is not a reprint. This is just a card I'm reading. Creatures you control have haste. Uh, sacrifice. Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Now, I'm not good enough at magic theory to say for certain which one of these cards is better. You know? Um Having that sacrifice ability would be useful in standard to protect a creature from, like, Fiery Cannonade, Golden Demise, Deafening Clarion. Uh, But Rhythm of the Wild is what we have. So (laughs) we're going to talk about Rhythm of the Wild, right? Um, So the creature spells can't be countered clause. Right now in standard, I feel like that uh, clause is practically irrelevant because no control deck plays Essence Scatter. <laughs> not not serious ones. Oh, okay. Thanks. But, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, I think that once quench is legal, um, this card will be a lot more relevant. Because right now, the way I play is if you have two mana up, I'm going to play creatures all day because you're not going to essence scatter me. Um, syncopate. But I'm, sometimes, but yeah. um, most of the time they don't have it or they're saving their syncopate for something else. Um, if they do have it. But almost every time there's two mana up against me, creature spells resolve. Yeah, um, sure. I mean, I'm yeah, I don't, I'm not really necessarily arguing with you. I'm more just saying, like, here's, you know, from my perspective, playing a lot of control, I syncopate creatures on two all the time because I want value sure. out of my syncopate. And, uh, and I want to, you know, that's kind of the point, like, keep the creatures off the board for as long as possible while I build my board position or build up my right. lands and then clear the board, that kind of stuff, kind of, that kind of thing. So Essence Scatter's in my deck. I think it's only one right now, but, uh, but still, go ahead, go ahead. Talk sure, about rhythm. Sure. Of the world. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, essentially, all of the spells that counter creatures right now also counter this. Mm-hmm. So you got to worry about people countering the thing that keeps your creatures from being countered. So I'm kind of like, ah, I don't know. Uh, so then, anyway, the second part of it is uh, creatures you control or non-token creatures you control gain riot. Non-token creatures. Don't let your opponents get this by you. You know, if you're playing in person, don't let them give their token creatures riot. It doesn't give them riot. Um, riot triggers stack, by the way. And it's not like adapt, where it's adapt only if it has no counters. So a creature with riot, riot can get a counter and haste. Yeah. Um, and Or double counters or double haste. Exactly. Double. Yeah, don't ever do double haste. Don't <laughs> it attacked double. last turn, too. It just came at <laughs> Turbo haste. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, there seems to be like a good green-red deck uh, coming from this set based around this and some of the other new Gruul cards. Um, I haven't really given much thought to what that deck might look like, uh, but I'm definitely going to brew one or at least wait for someone else to do it. Yeah, I think Gruul is really um, terrifying. <laughs> like, I think it is. it looks like it could be so good and... Um... I'm sure we'll talk more about Gruul as our lists go on, but this card, the thing is the the non-counterable clause there, I don't even think is what makes this card scary. It's the everything has riot 
kind of part that makes it scary because Riot is scary as as far yeah. as, you know, from the side of the control deck where you're going, you know, okay, cool, I cleared the board, I'm safe for a turn. It's like, no, you're not. Here comes, you know, a bunch of guys um, that have haste now. You know, just the fact that you have the choice of making your creature haste or bigger, I, it's just, I just think that's really huge. And that's on on several creatures already. So sure, Rhythm yeah. of the Wild might even be better in another deck that just splashes red and doesn't play a lot of Riot creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's great with the Riot creatures because, like you said, it stacks. So you just make your guys bigger and give them haste. Right. And I'm, I was going to say this at the end of the show, but I'm going to say it right now. Do not reach for your dice before your Riot spell resolves because you don't have to make that choice until the spell resolves. So if you're playing against someone who might have counter spells or might have a response to you casting that card, don't reach for your dice. Or do if you want to bluff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you want people to think you're going to go for that counter and they don't have to worry about a haste creature, cast it and grab that die up. And then they go, okay, it resolves. And you put the die down and go haste swing. Yep. You know? But it is important. You don't have to make that choice when you're casting the spell, only when it resolves as it's entering the battlefield. Very, so, very good point. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, sorry. All right. Turn. My next card is Skewer the Critics. Okay. This is a common sorcery. Uh, it's red and two. Skewer the Critics deals three damage to any target, uh, but it has spectacle for one red, which is you may cast a spell for its spectacle cost rather than its mana cost if an opponent lost life this turn. Um, so this can be a sorcery speed lightning bolt in a deck that can do a lot of damage. Um, the thing that, so this card is really interesting because we already have, uh, wizard's lightning, which is a lightning bolt, uh, of sorts. It's, you know, it's, it's three mana, but it can be one mana. And so this is a card that falls right into that category in standard. We're going to have decks running around with basically eight lightning bolts. Um, and mono red is already good. So, I could totally see this just going into a mono red deck. You already mentioned, you know, Fanatical Firebrand. You play that on turn one. On turn two, if they've not played a creature, you attack and you can skewer them if you want. Or if they have played a creature and you're like, well, I can't attack into their, you know, wild growth walker or whatever. uh, I'm going to skewer it instead. I'll sacrifice my Fanatical Firebrand, hit you, and then skewer your wild growth walker. Um, I mean, that's just the first thing that came to mind right now there's going to be tons of applications for this kind of thing it's it's a lightning bolt um but yeah i I can totally see modern burn playing this card in modern burn the analog card to this would be rift bolt um and i think there's going to be a tension between both of these cards in terms of what do you want to make space for do you want to shave a a skull crack or a boros charm or something to fit in skewer the critics um i kind of still think rift bolt is better because on turn one you can still suspend rift bolt right um you can't do anything with skewer the critics on turn one unless you i guess gut shot your opponent but modern burn doesn't play gut shot um (laughs) but in the the current uh iteration of modern burn do you do your damage on turn one but you don't have a mana left to spend so um that's going to make things a little trickier i think i could see this making the modern burn decks uh for sure but i'm curious to see how people fit it into the into the list because the lists are pretty tight and i know like boros charm is the first one or one of the cards that comes to mind and skull crack if you're if you're playing four copies of skull crack you can shave one or two um 
I think Boros Charm is really good, but it doesn't hit creatures. This, you can hit creatures, and it you can cast it for one mana, so maybe you shave a Boros Charm or two. Um, these are, I feel like you Boros know, Charm, if, 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 we're, if we're choosing between Boros Charm and Skullcrack, I would go Boros Charm, just because I just, I don't know, I feel like Skullcrack is so necessary. And you like Well, you play the other ones on the board for sure. I think you play four in your 75. Okay. <clears throat> but I think you may because there's not a lot of life gain or damage prevention main deck very often in modern. Okay, um, I don't, I'm not very familiar with modern right now, so I mean it's kind of you know you don't really see that. You're going to see some decks have it, uh, but generally you can kind of feel safe ish uh, <laughs> on the on the front of you know not somebody not dropping a Bane Slayer Angel in game one. So I think you. Um, you can probably shave the, sh- the skull cracks from the main deck, but keep them in a board. I think that they're, they're absolutely worth having four copies in, in the 75. But anyway, I just I think Skewer the Critics is going to see play in Modern Burn. Um, whether or not it sticks, uh, maybe it doesn't stick around in the deck. That's what I'm saying. But maybe it doesn't work out. But I feel like people are going to try it. And Definitely. I think that's kind of how they're going to do it. And in standard, again, eight bolt. You know, I could totally see that yeah. in the current mono red, mono red deck. So it's it's an exciting card. The thing to remember about this, it's a sorcery. Uh, yes. Part of what I was thinking about was, wow, it's going to be incredible in modern. They crack a fetch land. I'm going to bolt them. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> they're going to crack their fetch land at the end of my turn when I can't cast a sorcery yep. Yep. or, you know, during their turn. It's just so that's not going to work out as often as as I wanted it to. I was thinking of it kind of like Shadow of Doubt, which is... uh a uh, card from I think the original Ravnica. It was a um, blue-black hybrid. Yes. And it's uh, players can't search libraries this That's turn. Right. Draw a card, and you would get people because they would crack their fetch, and you'd go in response. I'll shadow of doubt. Now you can't search your library, and I draw a card. <laughs> so it was like a stone rain kind of thing. And I was like, wow, this kind of fits in with that. But since this is a sorcery, it doesn't quite work out that way. Uh, so keep that in mind. It can't be just kind of cast in response to somebody. Um, fetching or, or playing anything Shockland, like that. which is yeah, exactly. standard for sure. So yeah, my thoughts are surprisingly composed for this card, which, uh, you know, spoiler warning. Uh, so, you know, I, <laughs> I had my doubts about this card, like, or about burn. I had uh-huh. my doubts that burn was still going to be a viable deck after uh, Ravnica allegiance comes out. Uh, thanks to cards like absorb angel of grace, something like 20 more sweepers being in- entered into the format. Like seriously, <laughs> how many different sweepers does standard need? Give me a friggin' break. Uh, but this card gives me hope. Uh, at worst, it's a sorcery speed wizard's lightning. And at best, it's a lava spike without targeting restrictions. Uh, best of all, it's a redundant three damage burn spell in a deck that really, really wants them. Um, like you said, it could probably make the jump to modern. Question is the same as it is in standard. What do you cut for it? Um, we answered that, I think, for modern, or at least we got an idea. For my personal deck, my deck runs one Banefire and one Lava Coil, and that would be the most obvious place to slot into since they're both sorcery speed. It doesn't change the speed of the deck. Um, I'd maybe shave a Shock and maybe shave a Risk Factor to fit in the other two, but I really mm-hmm. like Risk Factor with the Spectacle cards. Um, because they take the four damage 90% of the time. And then right. you can use that last mana. If you have four mana up, you can use that last mana to really punish them. Yep. Um, now, you know, the problem when you have... Um, that's the other thing. is like The problem with standard a lot of times with the red deck is that you'll have an empty board, you'll have four mana, you'll have a goblin chain whirler, and you'll have a wizard's lightning in your hand. And you're like, <laughs> ugh, I can only cast one or the other. 
well, you still might have that problem, but sometimes the Wizards Lightning will be skewer the critics and it will be glorious. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. The other thing is how not only does Viashino, what is it, Viashino Pyromancer? Yes. Uh, allow you to cast Wizards Lightning for one, but <laughs> you cast your Pyromancer, yeah. hit them for two, and then cast Skewer the Critics for one. Beautiful. So it works. You, you don't cut those out of your deck. Nope, not at all. Oh, no, don't ever cut those. They're awesome. <laughs> They're so good. So um, so my number six is Light Up the Stage. Um, this card's pretty amazing. Uh, Light Up the Stage is a card that does things it is uh red and two it's a sorcery it's an uncommon it's a a spectacle of one red and you exile the top two cards of your library until the end of your next turn you may play those cards so mike flores um in his article the 26 rules for dating my mono red deck or something (laughs) made the rare correction. And I'm not saying rare correction because he's stubborn, although he is stubborn, but it's simply because the master is rarely wrong about this card. Um, He corrected because he thought it was until end of turn and he didn't think it was that great. But this is until the end of your next turn, not the end of turn. So you can deal some damage, pay a red, exile two cards, and then play them on your next card on your next turn. Um, I'm not certain I like this more than risk factor. Um, and, but again, same thing with risk factor. They take the four and then you pay a red and you get two cards anyway. Um, would I pay two red, red for sorcery deal four damage to a player draw two? probably. (laughs) Um, I'm firmly just for the record. I'm firmly in the risk factor camp versus experimental frenzy for the red deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a lot of people like both, or a lot of people like Experimental Frenzy, but I like Risk Factor because it pretty much always does what you want it to if you play it right, and Frenzy is just too unpredictable for me. Some people might like this card with Frenzy, but sitting on top of your deck with an empty board, it costs three, and I'm not sure I like it. Yeah, so. that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I think this card's great. I mean, it's a red version of Divination in a right. way, um, and... Any blue deck would play would pay one blue to draw two cards. Um, this is kind of an upside that the blue decks don't get um, in terms of being able to, to draw two cards for one mana. Um, I, I love the design of the card for the color red, like the idea that this is basically, you know, red card draw and it feels very red. Um, and it almost made my list. I, I do. I do like it. And I kind of want to I'm excited to try it and see how it feels like actually playing with it. Um, cause spoiler, I do play mono red sometimes on arena. Um, <laughs> but, nice. uh, yeah. So let's see next card on my list. Angel of grace. Yeah. Angel of grace is a five, four flash flying creature. It's an angel. It's a mythic rare and it costs five mana. It's two white and three more. Um, when angel of grace enters the battlefield until end of turn damage, that would reduce your life total to less than one reduces it to one instead. So that's pretty good already. You have a 5-4 flash flying angel, so you've got a threat that's basically haste. If you cast it at the end of your opponent's turn, uh, you kind of flash it in and then untap and attack. So um, you get that extra ability in terms of, hey, you thought you had me dead. I'll you know flash in an angel. I might block one of your small guys and still live through the turn. Um, the additional ability on it is four white white so six mana 
exile Angel of Grace from your graveyard, your life total becomes 10. Um, this card is just, I, I feel like it's so powerful. It's, it's a threat and it's an answer at the same time. You, if they kill it, you let it sit around in your graveyard until your life total is a little low and then you make your life total 10. So you can do that at any point. There's no timing restriction on that. And uh, I mean, I don't know how many times I've gone in a blue-white control deck. Now, I don't know if that's where this is going to see play, um, but I could certainly see it as a sideboard card uh, in like a blue-white or an Esper control deck. Um, But I don't know how many times I've kind of gotten behind because of my mana or whatever cards I drew. You know, you you get behind on board, you eventually clear the board, but you're at like three and you're going... I'm like walking on eggshells. I really hope I, you know, can dig back into this. An angel of grace, even if you don't cast it, you just uh, surveil it into the graveyard. You can just make your life total 10 and put a whole bunch more padding between your opponent and the end of the game. Um, So I I just think this card is, I don't know, it's really, really powerful. Uh, Here's what I have to say about it. Can you hear me rolling my eyes? (laughs) You think it's that bad? I hate it. Um, all, the only thing I'm going to say, and we're just going to move on, unban Rampaging Ferocidon. I could, I would like to see that. I kind of want to see that, how that would work in standard. That's all I'm saying, because it says players can't gain life, and a change of life total counts as gaining life. So Does it? Is yeah. That, yes. Interesting. I didn't realize that. So if your player's life total becomes 10, it's essentially, if you're at 1, gain 9 life. Interesting. So, okay. uh, the, the ability would be shut off by Ferocidon. Yeah, that so, isn't something that I even realized could be, because it doesn't say gain right. X life. It just right. says your life total becomes 10. But it um, does count as a gain of life unless you're, unless you're 14 or something. Sure. <laughs> I'm going to dome myself. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Um, yeah, so uh, I don't know. I think it's it's a cool card. but I, It's an I, awesome card. It's an amazing card. why you're rallying uh, behind the Ferocidon. So. I hate it. I hate it. So, can we move on to a card I like? Yes. Oh, my God. So, my number five is Persistent Petitioners. So, uh, this card is so great. Um, Persistent Petitioners is a blue and one. This is the kind of card Noyan would love. Uh, It's a 1-3 creature human advisor. Tap one and tap it. It's a common, by the way. Tap one and tap it. Target player puts the top card of their library into their graveyard. Tap four untapped advisors you control. Target player puts the top 12 cards of their library into their graveyard. Final clause, a deck can have any number of cards named Persistent Petitioners. So I just love the flavor of this card so much. As a former canvasser, I know that most flyers end up in the bin. So... Like, here, take a flyer, trash can. Here, take a flyer, trash can. Group of them. Here, take 12 flyers, trash can. I love it. Uh, So, at first, I was excited for this card just for limited to try and force a mill deck. But then I saw that Relentless Rats clause, and now I'm convinced that this could be a standard deck. I don't actually know what other mill cards are in standard currently, and you know me with mill decks. I love this kind of crap. But I feel like you start with 26 petitioners, four dive down, four spell pierce, four negate, 
22 islands, protect the petitioners at all costs. <laughs> I don't know if it's good, but I'm going to stream it 100%. I'm going to stream this deck. And by the way, um, me and Joey weren't sure how cards that break the f- rule of four work in Arena, but I figured it out. It looks like if you have four copies of the card in your collection, you have as many copies as you want. Oh, that's cool. So, so I yeah. stopped I stopped adding rats colonies at 27. Uh, when I was when I was just clicking the card and it didn't waste I kept checking to make sure I wasn't burning wild cards doing it. Um, it's, I, I stopped at 27 and I'm sure I didn't draft that many, you know. Right, right. Um, so also they break that rule in commander. Uh, but what would you play with uh, persistent petitioners in commander? Um, the second ability on it is for advisors, uh, not just petitioners. In standard, the only advisor in standard is uh, Tesa Karlov, and that's coming out with, um, you know, with Ravnica Allegiance. Mm-hmm. But here's my list of the top ten advisors in Magic history. Um, number ten. You we did have... say you had a lot of lists, and you do. <laughs> I did. Did I tear that list up? I, I think know. I actually tore that list up. <laughs> Oh, I did. Okay, so here. Number 10, Trusted Advisor. Number 9, Michiko Konda. Number 8, Ib Halfheart. Number 7, Masako the Humorless. Number 6, Mayor of Averbrook. Number 5, Cartel Aristocrat. Number 4, Loyal Retainers. Number 3, Leovold, whatever Leovold is. Number 2, Gaddock Teague. And number 1, Imperial Recruiter. That's my list of advisors in Across Magic History. So... Um, and slops to the most useless advisor in magic history, Zuo C the Mocking Sage. It's a green, green one. It's a human advisor. It has hexproof, and Zuo the Mocking Sage can't be blocked by creatures with horsemanship. One, two, power toughness. All right, let's move right on. <laughs> That's awesome. So persistent petitioners, you kind of said it all. I, I saw this card and immediately thought of you, and uh, I just think it's hilarious. So I, I'm not going to say any more about it. Uh, I'm going to stream it. I'm going to see what it. you do with it. I think more than you, you know, I think there are going to be a lot of people playing with this card because it just seems so funny. Dude, uh, it's, it's it, it survives uh, Cannonade. I'm always thinking about these things. It survives Golden Demise, and then if you just hold up your mana to spell pierce on the gate or any of the re- the real sweepers there you go you right um, and then uh, there's more there's more you can do but I don't even want to get into it right now we'll talk about it another time yeah so. after you've actually built the deck and have been playing it we'll, we'll talk about it but we have an alternate plan too me and Ryan Germore have worked out an alternate plan in okay. case they try to uh, get in case they make themselves untargetable but we'll get into that another time Okay. Uh, what's your next card? <laughs> next card is Tithe Taker, which is a rare... Which number it, is that on your list? Uh, it is my number four. It's my number four, too! Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, <laughs> we matched one. Did it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, then we have to alternate words. <laughs> okay, okay, you ready? Tithe Taker is a creature type. <laughs> You're supposed to say human. <laughs> oh, human, human. Soldier. For one... White and one color. All right, let's stop. This is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) So, Tithe Taker is a uh, creature human soldier. It is a 2 1 
Uh, it costs a white and one more. It's a it's a rare. Uh, during your turn, spells your opponent's cast cost one more to cast, and abilities your opponents activate cost one more to activate, unless they're mana abilities. And it has afterlife, which is when it dies, you get a one one white flyer, uh, one white one one white and black spirit creature token yes. with flying. Um, so this is what we were talking about with all the doomed travelers in this uh, in this set, the afterlife mechanic. But uh, uh, these kind of creatures. First of all, I love the art. I don't know. I, I think it just looks cool. It is great um, art. It's classic. It's going to see play in eternal formats. It's, you know, I, the first thing that comes to mind is something like Thalia because it has such a similar ability. Um, this one only applies during your opponent's turn, so that matters. Um, it's not as powerful in, in that sense, but just being able to tax your opponent during your turn. I don't know how many times I've sat across the table because I always want to be playing on my opponent's turn uh, right. that I'm like, you know, trying to carefully manage my lands and my mana to make sure I have enough to cast the things I want to cast. So, <clears throat> Hey, turn four, end of turn, chemistry's insight. Well, that's not happening with tithe taker on the board. <laughs> you know, like right. that's, that's my turn four. that's usually the first, proactive move I usually make in a game is I'm sitting there trying to keep, you know, things tidy uh, until I can cast until the end of your or end of, mm-hmm. I guess your turn after I've got four mana in play to cast chemistry's insight. And that kind of gets the ball rolling, try to cast a Teferi the next turn and you know, that kind of thing. So I really think that, um, that this card is going to see a lot of play in standard. And I think it's going to see play in, in older formats as well. Definitely. Um, so, as the mono white player, uh, or playing mono white, or playing any creature heavy deck, or a deck that turns creatures sideways to win in standard today, you always need to play around Settle the Wreckage. It's probably my least favorite card ever printed, honestly. I think it's a total feel bad because, you know, creatures die, at least sometimes you get abilities. Um, but with Settle, you just, they're just gone, and it just ruins everything. Um, so when my opponent has white, white, XX up, and I have a pretty good board, I'll always cast my most counterable spell in my hand to open up an attack. Like, if I'm just like, if I see you got four mana up and I got, like, three creatures on board, I'm going to cast my Ajani. I'm going to cast my um, my History of Benalia. I'm going to cast something that you have to counter or it's going to be bad for you because I want I want you to not have four mana on the board. And this is just the perfect card in that role. They have to counter this, or they can't cast Settle the Wreckage when they have four mana up. They're going to have to keep five up to be able to cast Settle. Um, now, as far as, like, for my deck in the two-drop spot, um, I still think Adanto Vanguard is correct, because I just uh, the card is so good against control. But maybe this... Right now, I'm running Knight of Grace as my other uh, two-drop. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm running three of them. Maybe this replaces Knight of Grace as my other two-drop creature for best of one. Uh, but it's definitely a four-of sideboard card for best of three. Um, and maybe maybe a four-of main deck card. I mean, again, we'll see the numbers uh, as it shakes out. But I love this card so much. I'm so excited to jam this. And that's the thing. Like, Remember earlier when I said, I don't know if any of the Afterlife cards are going to be good in standard? Mm-hmm. I don't even care that this has afterlife. The fact that it does is awesome. It is irrelevant to me. All I care about is that first ability. Yeah, I I agree. That's just kind of icing on the cake. Um, so I I think we're gonna see a lot of Tithe Taker, unfortunately for me. 
<laughs> yes. Um, okay, so the next card on my list, another one I think we're going to see a lot of, unfortunately for me, is Gruul Spellbreaker. My, it's this, my number three. Awesome, we did it again. <laughs> nice. That's <laughs> right. great. So Gruul Spellbreaker, if you haven't seen it, this was one of the earliest cards revealed. That's the first card I think that we saw that had Riot. Um, it is a creature for a green, a red, and one. It's a 3-3. Three, three. It has Riot. It has Trample. And as long as it's your turn, you and Gruul Spellbreaker have Hexproof. Um, this kind of same thing applies where we were talking about Settle the Wreckage a minute ago. This yeah. card is like, you can't cast Settle the Wreckage. Yes! Um, so my entire top ten is based on. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's a scary card. And, and this kind of... Um, this This list that I've made obviously includes a lot of cards that go against what I normally play. But I think... Part of the reason I'm, they're, they're making the list, I think cards are good because either I'm excited to play them or I'm terrified of them. Right, <laughs> and this right. falls into the, the second camp for sure because being able to just land a 4-4 for three mana with 4-4 Trampler, like that's a threat I have to deal with. Uh, yeah. I can't deal with it on your turn and like because you have Hexproof <laughs> and so yep. does this. So yep. uh, I can't settle you. I can't seal away. Uh, I can seal away on my turn after you've attacked with it already. Um, and, you know, if you want, you give it haste right away. You have a 3-3 three, three attacker and you're getting in for three, you know, right away. And again, I can't I can't cast seal away. I could have open mana, but I can't cast seal away. Yep. Uh, so this card is terrifying. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, I think that uh, if a green-red aggro deck is going to be successful, this card's the reason. Yes. Um, I'd honestly like this card without the riot ability, but the counter can take it out of Deafening Clarion range, um, although any of the destroy-all-creature sweepers do hit it, you know. Um, this card is actually, at first, so this card is better than Shalai Voice of Plenty at giving you Hexproof, and I um, actually realized when I was writing this why I don't have any Shalai, because it's a rare. <laughs> um, and I actually wrote, at first, I wrote isn't as good as Shalai at first, but with Shalai, all you have to do is remove Shalai somehow. But you can't remove Shal uh, Spellbreaker on its controller's turn. So you can't really do anything about not being able to cast Settle the Wreckage. You know what I mean? Like, you, like at least you can get rid of Shalai and then cast Settle. Right. You know, where with this, you can't get rid of this and you can't target me. So there's really no way around it. So right. that's kind of like where I'm like, okay, all right, this is actually better than Shalai in terms of like turning off Settle the Wreckage or turning off. Uh, your opponent's uh, dome and you on your turn. Yeah. Um, so that's all. That's really all I got about that card. Cool. Um, you want to go next and say whatever card no. that... Yes, I do. Okay. My number two is Skewer the Critics. Your turn. Oh, great. That was good. Okay. <laughs> all right, my number two, and we are we already know my number one, so my number right. two, which is this is probably the card I'm most excited about outside of Hallowed Fountain. Yes. Precognitive Perception. Uh, really? I don't even know what that card is. I'm going to tear my lists up. I'll just tell, tell you. Me. So tell me. precognitive perception <laughs> is a rare. It is blue, blue, and three. So it's five mana for an instant. Draw three cards. That right there is Jace's Ingenuity, which saw print and saw play back in, right. what, 2011-ish, 2012. Right. Um, addendum. If you cast the spell during your main phase, instead scry three, then draw three cards. And that's what makes this card, I think, so incredibly powerful. It's kind of... 
uh, it's kind of like a mini dig through time, right? Dig through time was look at the top seven, put two of them in your hand and the rest on the bottom mm-hmm. in any order. This is look at the top three, you know, scry three and then draw three. It's kind of comes out in a similar way. Like, of course, the, mo- the most cards you're going to see are six. Um, but I kind of, it has the same feel. Like it feels very powerful. You're going to get the best three cards or, or at least the ones that you want the most out of your top six. Um, if you want to dig that deep, I mean, that's kind of the way it, it ends up. Um, now you have to cast it during your main phase, which is a hard thing to do. I think for a control deck or a deck that would want to run this, but, um, and there is competition at five with Teferi. So I can see this being maybe like a two to three of, um, to start with. Maybe, I mean, I'm going to try two to start with and see how, you know, see how that goes. But, um, it's, it's definitely a player in standard and I'm excited to draw cards after scrying. <laughs> it doesn't seem exciting to me, uh-huh. but that's probably because it's a really good card and I'm not good <laughs> at magic. Because most of the cards where I go, I don't really know. They wind up being like the cards I hate the most. I'm like, oh, I can't believe you just cast that five mana spell and drew three again. Well, it's not uh, exciting. Be- at least it's certainly not exciting from across the table because your opponent's going, you know, looking at their top three and scrying them and then drawing three cards. Um, but I, yeah, I can see what you mean where it doesn't feel as powerful as it is. But being able to scry three, then draw three just feels, I mean, it's not dig through time, but. Uh, that card still pops into my head when I see this. I don't want to make any grand declarations that this card is as good as or that comparable to a card that was banned, but right, right. <laughs> it's it feels similar. Um, you're not going to cast two. this for two mana. Yeah, you're not, right. not going to delve this. And anytime you cast five, anytime you tap five on your main phase and you don't play a Teferi, I get happier. That's, yeah. So. Well, maybe this will be something else you'll be sad about to see someone tap five on their main phase. Remains to be seen. <laughs> um, so I'll tell you one thing that I'm excited to tap five for. All right. My number one card, Electro Dominance. Yeah. My number one. Are you surprised? Probably not. Um, so one of the hallmarks of a broken card is the card breaks the rules. And according to George W. Bush, most of our imports come from other countries, um, or at least according to Robin Williams' impersonation of George W. Bush, RIP. Um, This card lets you cast sorceries or creatures at instant speed and for free, essentially, because you've tapped. So let's say you tap. Okay, anyway, I'll just keep getting on with this. So I think that printing this at instant was a mistake. You want to read what it does? Yes. um, Electrodominance (laughs) does things and stuff for free. Electrodominance is two red and X. It's a rare. It's an instant. It deals X damage to any target. You may cast a card with converted mana cost X or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. So, like I said, I think that cast p- printing this an instant was a mistake. And not even for the reasons that I'm excited about. I think the reasons that I'm excited for it are totally fair. But everyone else is ready to cast those time spiral freeze spells with this. Um, like Wheel of Fate... Um, ancestral vision, living ancestral end, vision, living end, hypergenesis. Yeah, I, yeah, but don't get too excited because I think this card's going to be banned from week one of modern. But I could be wrong. I just don't think just paying two mana to cast, um, just you know, two red to be able to cast a living end at instant speed. That's not going to happen. Sorry, y'all. Sorry to disappoint you. But really, all I want to do is I want to end a turn this for three 
on a Drake and then drop a Chain Whirler to finish it off. <laughs> That's all I want to do with this card. It's a combo. Yeah, really. I mean, um, but I, I, and, and from what I said before about replacing the Banefire with the Skewer the Critics, I actually think this replaces the 1x Banefire in my red deck. I'm not sure I'd run more than two, uh, but ultimately I'll run as many of these as the good players decide I should run. Right. Know? So if there winds up being a deck with four of these, okay, we'll run four. But... Um, this card's just, oh, ugh, what the hell? Like, just being able to hit something and then drop a free creature? Like, what? Yeah, so the thing that I think that's the way to, or one way of thinking about this card is you're still casting whatever card was in your hand, uh, but you get to ignore timing restrictions and you get to do X damage. So it's kind of like, but you just pay, you know, for, for one, what is it? For two extra red, you get to do... X damage when you cast your ja- your your chain whirler or something, but you can cast right. it at instant speed. I know it's kind of a weird way of thinking about it, but that's kind of like you still have to have that card in your hand. You're still casting two cards. It's almost like the damage is the bonus. Uh, so, you know, that's I, I don't know if that really helps in terms of how to look at it, but I'm trying to kind of get wrap my head around how to use this card and what are the you know maybe it's. Are, are we looking at it and going, oh my gosh, without really thinking about how this has to play out? Like, you need the Chain Whirler in your hand. And True. That's w- why I don't think you run four of these. Because having a hand with two Electrodominants is kind of crap. So. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, you don't want the... You need the card in your hand that you want to cast. And if you have that card already, I mean, you can cast it. Like, Electrodominance is kind of like a funny version of Quicken, which is like, give this spell instant, draw a card. Well, now I'll give this spell instant, do X damage. Like, you know, or well, I give this spell instant. What the heck? <laughs> what kind of weird <laughs> rules text is that? <laughs> give the, give a creature flash the next, you know, whatever Quicken says. <laughs> I know what you mean. So, but. Hold on. Quicken <laughs> costs a blue and it's an instant. The next sorcery card you cast this turn can be cast as though it had flash. Draw a card. <laughs> Just Got to it. clarify there. Got so it. you're basically allowing your yourself to break the timing restriction and instead of draw a card you get to deal damage right like is that basically how it comes out um totally it also ignores colors right because you can cast right any color card right and you can cast a chain whirler even if you tap this for six sure i mean so if you do x equals six you can deal six damage and you still can cast a three mana spell right right doesn't have to be exact and you can also just cast this for six if you're sitting there top decking a bunch of lands, and then you top deck this, you go, oh, snap, Blah, damage, you know? So, yeah. so that's good. Um, there's a lot, uh, it's a cool card. I can't wait to try it. Yeah. Um, so. so, yeah, so uh, let's go ahead and wrap up here. I have a couple just very quick notes about uh, Ravnica Allegiance uh, for the pre release this weekend. Um, don't look at the art on Screaming Shield. Scratch it out if you get the card because it's terrifying. <laughs> um, uh, they named a card after my girlfriend, which I'm very excited about. Uh, this uh, mesmerizing behind or whatever it is. Um, pretty excited about that. Um, Thrash Threat and Titanic Brawl are both fight style effects. Thrash just does the damage, though. It's not a fight. And Titanic Brawl is a fight card, and they're both instant speed. Wait, Very good to note. Threat isn't an instant speed. You're talking about thrash and... Thrash is yeah. instant speed. Okay, okay, okay. I'm saying they're both fight effects at instant speed, which is hard to come by. So okay, it's pretty okay. good. It can really mess with combat. 
Um, we don't care about Commander, but um, John Medina does. And he did a whole article about a Prime Speaker Vanifar deck, and you should check it out over at uh, Cool Stuff Inc. Um, and uh, also, the last thing I want to say is Sharkto Crab. I just wanted to say it on the podcast. I got it out. You did. I got three of your ten right. My my guess to your list was number one, Absorb, number two, Quench, number three, Angel of Grace, number four, Frilled Mystic, number five, Kaya's Wrath, number six, Warrant Warden, number seven, Deputy of Detention, number eight, Mesmerizing Behind, number nine, uh, Sphinx of Four, I don't know what that is, and number ten, Drill Bit. But uh, apparently I got a lot of those wrong. But again, like I said, I only used cards that weren't on my list, which we had a couple that matched up. So that we was did. pretty good. And a lot of those um, were in my initial run through. So you weren't far off. They just didn't make the final cut. So For sure. For um, sure. But anyway, you had a couple we, surprises there for me. So Yeah, yeah. And I was trying to kind of give a mix of exciting cards through all the colors. So, um, you know, because they're exciting cards, not just, not just the things that I plan to play with. Um, right. So anyway, uh, we will be back in two weeks. Thank you guys for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at YoMTGTaps. Um, Joe is at Big Dead Joe, and I'm at Affinity for Blue. Um, subscribe on all the all the platforms, and uh, yeah, follow our Twitch uh, stream. That's right, YoMTGTilts. It's still uh, in its infancy, but I've just been jamming games on there when I have a chance, and uh, I want to try to do it a little more seriously. But I'm just messing with it now for fun but you should you should subscribe and uh watch me lose at standard yeah sounds like fun it has been fun watching you lose at standard actually you don't lose that often but yeah it's been fun um anyway yeah until next time we are yo mtg taps stop bitching start brewing